Hi, Jan. Hello, Jesper. How are you doing? I'm excellent. I've just returned from a two-week vacation somewhere in the States. Oh, that sounds nice. It was. That is lovely. Yeah, it, it was absolutely lovely. And it turns out we were talking about this on one of the planes. I, I honestly don't remember which because there were so many planes and there was such a long time spent on planes. But we were talking about the fact that this is probably the first real vacation we've had since 2019. Oh my goodness. Ah, well, yes, of course, with the pandemic and all of that. Exactly. And not just taking a trip, but actually taking the time truly off because there's always been something going on. So each time we've been on vacation for the last three years, we've also had some sort of life change happening. So one of us has been switching a job or we've been moving to Berlin, etc., etc. So we've right. never really had time off. And I think I've been missing this without knowing it. Have you ever had that experience where you suddenly detach and you realize, oh, I should probably have done this earlier? Oh, yes, many, many times. Usually after the fact when I should have done it. Actually, quite recently, I took some time off because I felt I was sort of, you know, hitting the proverbial wall head on. Mm. And yes, it was very much one of those, why didn't I do this? And in a way, I've also experienced that with going on a, on a proper vacation. Mm. It's like, oh, so this is what it's like. You can actually have time off without doing any worky work things. So, yes, I absolutely recognize that. And I'm so glad you had that feeling because that in and of itself is quite of a... You can almost get elated by that insight. Yes, yeah. It, it's odd coming back, sitting down in front of my computer. I now have some sort of overview mm. about why I'm doing this and how much time I actually want to spend in front of the computer instead of always feeling this this pressure to having to do these five different tasks at the same time, all the time, day and night. And it's weird, right? It's weird that this becomes such an integral part of us because we know this intellectually. We, we always yeah. know this. But yet, for some reason, it just seems like we need to detach a little bit. Are you familiar with the magazine The Idler? I am, but only... Slightly. So you introduced me to the Idler magazine years ago. Oh, did ago. I? <laughs> yes. And I, I read I his realize. book, uh, How to Be Idle. Yes. And I yes. absolutely loved it. It is one of my most quoted books ever. Please t tell us, tell us the, tell the audience a little bit about Idler magazine. So the original Idler was launched a couple of hundred years ago, I believe. But it was sort of reawakened by a gentleman whose name is... Tom Hodgkinson. And the whole idea with the magazine really is that being hyperproductive, always being sort of on and striving and achieving, it kind there is an alternative. You can do the opposite. It doesn't mean that you won't do things that you enjoy, that you make a living from it. Absolutely not. It's just a different mindset. And living life and sort of having time to actually stop and, you know, smell the roses as the as the as the expression goes, mm. that that is, that is actually the better overall state of being. I mean, I love the magazine. I, I love reading about what I would, unfortunately, is an alternative lifestyle. <laughs> it's a very, a very positive lifestyle. Yes, I do think that some of Tom Hodgkinson's books go a little over the top in this, and it's sort of really milking the whole, you know, don't do anything. I find that a little silly, maybe. Mm. But I love the magazine and I love the whole idea of there being an alternative. There's an alternative that's within most people's grasp. 
And if we can do it, we should. If not only for ourselves, but then also to show additional people that it is possible. We don't always need to produce, achieve, generate and consume. And that's what the whole magazine is about. And it's it's kind of become my favorite magazine, which is kind of funny because my one of my other favorite magazines is Monocle, which I would say is sort of at the other end of the spectrum in some ways. <laughs> Indeed. It's it's funny that you describe it this way because like you're absolutely right. And I think it's it's so interesting that taking a break and not actually doing anything is sort of a subversive countercultural sort of idea. <laughs> yeah. It's it's provocative to just not do anything. Yeah. Isn't that weird? It's so weird. So weird. And the thing is you you are doing a lot when you're idle. You let your body and mind relax, go for a little bit of a wander. It's it's actually doing very human things because obviously everything else is pretty much a learned construct of the society we happen to happen to live in. Nine to five work or, you know, nine to nine. Achieve, get a bigger, better house, buy this, buy that. It's not human, though. It's consumerist society. I love that. During my holiday, I read John Cleese has recently released a tiny booklet on creativity. He calls it a book, but it's not really. It's it's a booklet. And in on creativity, he he talks about what creativity is. And it's a weird concept because it's not really, we don't really know what creativity is. We only know what it's not. And it's, it, it really meshes well with what we're talking about because what he describes is that basically the mind is a single process device or your brain is a single process device. It can only do one thing at a time. And that includes consciousness. So when you're thinking about things, you're using the brain to think about things. Creativity happens when you're not using the brain. So you have to be idle for creativity to happen. This is why you have your best ideas when you're doing something mechanical and not really thinking about things. Doing the dishes or, you know, some repetitive task where your nervous system is doing it, but your brain is basically shut off and suddenly you have these insights. This is when your brain goes back to what it's originally meant to do, to be creative, to solve problems but not with conscious thought, but with the inexplicit sort of process that your brain is capable of, which he calls mm. creativity. You're right that being idle is a more human part of the human experience. Of course, we can't do that all the time. We, we have to like put our creativity to use and actually do something with it. But we're missing something if we're not just being. Indeed. And it's on this particular thing, yes, I actually do agree with John Cleese. And I have to say, personal opinion, he's become a semi-conspiracy theories person lately. <laughs> but in this instance, yes, that is true. And I think this is also why creativity so very often is looked down upon. It's not real because you're not consciously doing something. Only things that are conscious act can generate revenue. But a while ago, you mentioned, as you always do, very, very insightful thoughts about the act of writing things down. When you've generated these thoughts or ideas, mm. you've come to some kind of conclusion that is valuable in the context of creativity, you then write it down. Yeah. That That is the next step, that you need the conscious step to sort of anchor it, making it something that you can then build upon. Because very often when we talk about these thoughts and so creativity solving problems, which of course it is, 
it sort of assumes that we can then just continue then going from that insight, moving on to actually doing something with it, solving a problem, resolving something, and then we're done, sort of in a linear fashion. And I think that is, that's maybe not always the case, the availability. Maybe we're not always able to do that, but it can also... Is it ever the case? Can we ever do so. that? Yeah, I think so. It's, yeah, I would say so. The, the sort of early morning shower and then sort of, you know, something clicks into place and, you know, mm. you sort of let it percolate while you let your coffee percolate and then you act on it. It might be a, a reply to a message or something you contribute into a, a presentation or a, some product notes. So yes, I, I would say that it, mm. it can. Also, I think that once, if we write these things down, we can also build upon them in different ways. Because if one option is to forget it and the other is to do something now and reach a conclusion, that's sort of the end of that creativity track, writing it down and building upon it can be incredibly valuable. And I think you talked about this in the context of what do we do with all these ideas and how do we refine them to make sure that we can go back to these ideas that are so incredibly valuable and have been generated in quote unquote the right way. Then I think we, we allow ourselves to, to really be sort of fueled by our creativity. There's one thing that I would like to add in creativity research. There's a guy who came up with a term for one of the steps in creativity that he called impossible intermediates, which are basically bad ideas that lead to good ideas. Regardless of if you write them down or not, I think it's super important that you are able to have and be okay with having bad ideas. Yes, I completely agree with that. Because it's, it's going somewhere. I think it was um, Don Lim, who's now the, uh, the executive director of Design Singapore, who said something similar but also along the lines of, and it's okay for people to see it. It's okay to show them off. It's, it's okay to stand by them. Uh, it, it is not yes. the first, it is yes. not the last. It is, it's part of the journey and that societies, yeah. all societies need to be more okay with failure. And if it wasn't Dawn Lim who said it, she's an incredibly inspiring person. She's really, she does so many good things in the context of design and helping people understand where it all originates. Mm. Back to rest, back to rest back to not doing things and the benefits of that. Do you, do you sometimes just leave what you're doing? Sort of, you don't even put things away. You're just like, no, I'm just going to stop now. So amazingly, amazingly, this is something that I used to do and I've stopped doing it. And I'm trying to relearn how to do this because it was something that I usually did because I wasn't planning my time properly oh. and I would just run out of time. So I would, I would usually do this way back. But then as I've like become more and more time bound and need more and more structure to my time, I've stopped doing it. And I've only recently come to realize that this is actually impeding my creativity. Leaving it open and being okay with that and just letting your mind, as you said, percolate is excellent. It's a great way to make progress. You don't need a ritual to end up sort of finish the day. You don't need a ritual to start the day. The activity sort of mm. exists in your mind, whether you're with your physical artifacts or not, and you get up to speed a lot quicker and you can get away from that particular part of the day quicker. You just leave it. Of course, this can be tricky if you're in a shared space, blah, blah, blah. But in general, I believe in the whole stepping in, stepping out of something very, very quickly. And I mm. actually started mm. doing that after these couple of weeks that I, that I had off myself. And it's so lovely. <laughs> 
<laughs> it is. It very much it's one is. One of those. Why haven't I always done it like this? Well, I know why because I'm I'm very obsessive and I I need to have a completely clean space <laughs> apart from that. Why haven't I done this earlier? It is so liberating. To be able to do this, you need to have the mental clarity of being focused. You you need to know that this is the thing that you're working on. You're not working on mm. these other 11 things <laughs> that are actually in your inbox right now. And when you step back from work and you get some distance between yourself and the things you're trying to accomplish, it's easier, I think, to realize that, no, 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 I don't need to deal with all of them. I'm working on this now. So we went from rest to creativity. Creativity, back to rest, to focus. Which oddly is sort of what we're actually saying is a really good process to have. That's very true. So we get a lot of questions both to the podcast and please reach out to us on designpodcast.org but also in our official capacities. We get a lot of questions from other creatives and designers and we figured it would be a nice part of this podcast to bring some of those questions up and talk about them. So Jan, what is the most recent piece of advice you've given? It was to two of my colleagues at one of our fairly recently opened studios. And I encouraged them to allow where they live and work, this part of the world, this particular city, to really inspire and affect how they do their design work. Very often agencies will try and find sort of a almost like non-existent starting point for their work. The global average. Global average, that was the expression I was going for. But that's just ridiculous. The ones that don't are the ones who allow where they are, who inspire their work. And you can do that if you're in, say, South America, but you're working for a German client that is maybe approaching a West African audience. It actually doesn't, doesn't prevent you from allowing your, say, your, your Spanish presence, your Spanish life to inform this work. This is the type of source material that, as a designer, one needs to be able to work with and to allow oneself to work with it. Design from who you are. That is my advice. I think that's genius. Use your own originality to enforce the originality of the work. Thank you very much, Jan. Thank you, Jesper. I think it's time for another coffee. Okay, I'm at Ritual Coffee Roasters in uh, Height Street, Height Ashbury. So this is a double cappuccino on their single origin espresso bean 18. I think it's seasonal, so if you can get it, get it now. So hold on. Okay, so the nose is, it's just milk. There's nothing. Okay, so let's taste this. It's, that's weird. It's mostly just milk, a little bit of a hazelnut tone to it, maybe. It's not a lot of coffee in this. Yeah, that's original coffee roasters.